All right, let's take your Bible and turn to, we're going to start at 1 Corinthians chapter 6 tonight. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. <clears throat> and I'm going to start at verse 12. Well, the Bible says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. Meats for the belly, and the belly for meats, but God shall destroy both it and them. Now the body is not for fornication, but for the Lord, and the Lord for the body. And God hath both raised up the Lord, and will also raise up us by his own power. Know ye not that your bodies are the members of Christ? Shall I then take the members of Christ, and make them the members of an harlot? God forbid. What know ye not, that he which is joined to an harlot is one body? For two, saith he, shall be one flesh." But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Flee fornication. Every sin that a man doeth is without the body. But he that committeth fornication sinneth against his own body. What? Know ye not your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For ye are bought with a price. Therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So as we continue tonight on... Um, our standard sheet, uh, we're going to be looking tonight at smoking, drinking, and drugs. So let's pray and we'll have this. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for the privilege and opportunity we have to open your precious word. Father, I pray tonight, looking at the word of God again, that we allow you to search our hearts and teach us and instruct us and, um, and conform us into the image of, our, of your Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. So, Father, just give us wisdom and understanding and help me as I preach, Father, just give ears to hear and hearts to obey. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. You know, we said, you know, standards are really the outworking of the holiness of God in a person's life. It should, they should come from the heart, not just a rigid um, do and don't list. You know, people from, you know, every once in a while I talk to people from, from uh, other states in Pennsylvania or that, that haven't ever been around Amish. And they just talk about how, you know, they're such good people and, you know, they, and all this kind of stuff. And I say, some of them are. Some of them are. But what they have is they have a rigid list of do's and don'ts. And it really has nothing to do with Bible standards. It's just rules that the bishop sets for that group. That's basically what it boils down to. Um, you know, so these aren't really these are not rules that the bishop set. Uh, these are these are um, commands that God gives us gives us in His Word uh, as to how to live a holy life that will please and honor Him. Uh, in uh, and it should be a matter of Christian growth, allow the holiness of God work out in our life. You know, in these this passage of scripture. In the three preceding verses that I read, you know, Paul talked about a lot of uh, lifestyle practices that if people uh, lived in, were, would not inherit the kingdom of God. You know, drunkenness is one of those, uh, revilers, extortioners, thieves. Uh, he also included in there uh, sodomy and fornication and all that kind of stuff. But 
He said, you know, but, but he told the Corinthians that such were some of you. Some of them came out of that kind of lifestyle. And then he talks about things that are lawful in verse 12. He said, all things are lawful unto me. In other words, you think about that list in verses 9 through 11, or 9 and 10, uh, many of those things were lawful in Corinth. You know, fornication was lawful. They had their, they had their shrines with the shrines prostitutes. Uh, <clears throat> um, I'm sure there was lawful drinking and, and you know, all these kind of things. You know, in, 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 in even, even the sodomy, if you do any, any in-depth study of the Roman Empire, many of the emperors were sodomites. Emperor, or not emperor, um, Nero was very well known, uh, and, and some of the others. So, so this, you know, all this stuff that, that he lists here, it wasn't that these things were illegal. It wasn't why. No, he's saying all things are lawful, but all things are not expedient. And, uh, you know, the word expedient means uh, it doesn't contribute in order to help, or it is not profitable. Now, the interesting thing to me is that, you know, if, if, you, if you will take the, the Bible and God's commands concerning holiness and cleanliness and all these kind of things, even the commands he gave Moses concerning washings, and in time, mankind will come to realize that what God says is best <laughs> on every issue. You know, here, here in the last... 25, 30 years, there's been an acceptance in Christian circles of social drinking. Now, when I say Christian circles, I'm talking about fundamental. Uh, Randy Jagley, I think his name was, uh, wrote a book about it, and he's a professor at Bob Jones University. As far as I know, he's still a professor at Bob Jones University. He wrote a book about social drinking. Not against it. Because I remember reading an article in the Sword of the Lord that uh, Dr. Uh, Shelton Smith and some others met with him concerning that issue, and they agreed to disagree. See, these are the things that are... And, and, and see, a lot of people are... A lot, and there's doctors now that have been for quite a few years saying that, that drinking alcohol is helpful uh, for certain health reasons. And I said to myself, I think that's the biggest lie you ever told. And now, I read an article recently, and again by doctors, that's saying the, benef- the, the little benefits for certain health problems is, does not outweigh the detriments that alcohol will have on the rest of your body. You see, God knows what he's talking about. He knows he knows everything. He, 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 has, he understands everything. So tonight we'll look at you know, alcohol, drugs, particularly marijuana, and smoking. Of course, drinking alcohol, there's, God gave uh, strong prohibitions against it in Proverbs chapter 20 and, and verse 1. It says, Wine is a mocker, strong drink is raging. Whosoever is deceased thereby is not wise. So wine is a mocker. It scorns. It it. It mouths at. It talks arrogantly. Uh, it is raging. The word raging means to murmur or growl or to cry aloud. Uh, be clamorous. Uh, 
be in an uproar. Uh, and, the, of course, deceive means to, to be a wonder or to go astray or lead into error. You know, this, is, this is what wine does to a person. It mocks them. It, you know, wine takes control. You know, we've been talking about being filled with the Spirit or controlled by the Spirit. And you know, God desires that His children to be, be led and controlled by the Spirit. But, and, and, and He compares that to a drunk in Ephesians 5.18, drinking with excess. You know, in the same way, alcohol takes control of a man or a woman's body. And they'll do things that they normally what do. They lose their senses. It dulls their sentence. Uh, and whosoever is deceived thereby is not wise. It's not wise. Proverbs chapter 23, verse 29. Lengthy passage talking about all the problems associated with drinking. Proverbs 23, verse 29. Who hath woe, who hath sorrow, who hath contentions, who hath babbling, who hath wounds without cause, who hath redness of eyes, they that tarry long at the wine, they that go to seek mixed wine, look not thou upon the wine when it is red, when it move, giveth his color in the cup, and when it moveth itself right. And obviously that's talking about fermentation. At the last it biteth like a serpent and stingeth like an adder. Thine eyes shall behold strange woman, thine heart shall utter perverse things, mocking uh, or raging there. Yea, thou shalt be as he that lieth down in the midst of the sea, or as he that lieth upon the top of a mast. You know, the sickness and nausea that goes along with it. They have stricken me, and shalt thou say, and I was not sick. They have beaten me, and I felt it not. When shall I wake? I will seek it yet again. <coughs> Excuse me. You know, of course, you know, sorrow, woe, contentions. Uh, woe is a, a cry of grief or despair. Uh, sorrow, an explanation of, of pain, of want, contentions, uh, you know, squabbling, fighting. Those all things always go along with Babblings. Dictionary.com describes it as foolish or meaningless chatter. The random reduction of meaningless vocal sounds characteristic of infants about the week, sixth week. When I was growing up, we lived neighbors to a family, and the man was an alcoholic. He had a pretty good job. But he, everything was a, was, a, was a trash heap around the house. Um, he worked at fiberglass in Huntington, but almost every night he'd stop at McMurtry's on the way home. And uh, he had a big scar on the side of his face where the, I guess he got in a bar fight one time. And, but anyway, you know, the, some, day, some days the, the children get on, on the school bus with bruises on them. There was always fighting, sorrow, contentions. All these things were part of that family. And uh, some of my sisters saw a couple of the children um, a few years back, and they finally, finally got away from there, and they said they were, they were so glad to get away from Dad and all that misery. But, but see, this is, a, this is the kind of things that, that drunkenness, drinking does. Uh, wounds and bruises, blurred vision, uh, and it, of course it is addictive as well. Uh, he will seek it yet again, verse, verse 35 tells us. You know, Habakkuk 2.15 says this, Woe unto him that giveth his neighbor drink, that putteth thy bottle to him, and makest him drunken also. 
thou mayest look on their nakedness. Hosea 4.11 says, Hordem and new wine and Hordem and wine and new wine take away the heart. You know, wine and hordem, those two things he addresses particular, it says take away the heart. They snatch it away or they seize it. It's, it's a strong addiction. And so you're drinking. Drinking is a is a uh, you know we teach we should not drink. Um, alcohol is a medicine. Dr. George J. Van Komen wrote as a physician. This was in October of 1988 in the uh, Cornerstone Baptist Church paper. Anyway, it says, as a physician, quote, I'm flabbergasted at the enormous success the alcohol industry has had repackaging booze as health food. Nothing could be further from the truth. Several scientific studies over the past 20 years have suggested that moderate consumption can raise healthy cholesterol and may also reduce out-of-control clotting of the blood. But completely believing these studies is like but completely believing these studies is like using a howitzer to kill a rat that is raiding your garbage. You may rid yourself of the rodent, but what, you will, do, what will you do to your house? A wine institute spokesperson touting health studies that have caused half-hearted health physicians to soften their stance on alcohol as health food stated that he was full of joy over these changes. As a doctor, I must ask, how can anyone be joyous over the use of alcohol, a drug that causes so many adverse consequences to both health and safety? There is no other drug, legal or illegal, that does more harm than alcohol. The Center for Substance Abuse states that more than 100,000 Americans died of the direct consequences of alcohol in 1994. Alcohol cost American society over $100 billion. Alcohol consumption negatively affects virtually every organ and system within the human body. So negative are the effects that it will cut off 15 years of life. It interrupts the lives of 17 million Americans a day through misuse and dependency. Alcohol raises the blood pressure, one of the leading causes of heart attacks. Alcohol is poison you don't need. Stay away from it and avoid all the problems and health consequences suffered by thousands of drinkers. You know, I'm sure most of you have heard of the Prohibition days. And there are a lot of people that probably would have said that Prohibition was a waste. Well, this was in the O. Timothy back in 2003. It's titled The Truth About the Prohibition. Between 1919 and 1933, it was illegal to make and sell liquor in the United States. It was called the Prohibition Era. The following observations about that era are from the Cornerstone Challenge, December 1988. We have all heard the stories about how Prohibition was such a failure because even during that time, when alcoholic beverages were illegal, there were black marketeers, a look of whiskey made in back rooms, etc. But what are the facts? Well, during the Prohibition, again, 1919-1933, crime decreased by 54%. The death rate to, due to alcohol decreased by 43%. 97 of 98 Keeley alcoholic clinics closed for lack of patients. All 60 neo-cure clinics closed due to lack of patients afflicted with alcoholism. Insanity decreased by 66%. Now, the, the post-prohibition area, drunkenness has increased 350% shortly after the prohibition ceased. Crime immediately spiraled and continued to do so until now rampant. Some 50% of all traffic accidents are alcohol-related. There are 10 million known alcoholics in America today. Of the known alcoholics, 3.5 million are 14 to 17 years of age. 
we often hear about how deadly and harmful drugs are. One of the most is, is not the most deadly drugs. One of the most is not the most deadly drugs is that of alcohol beverages. I'm not sure about the sentence there. Not only is it legalized, but the government taxes it in order to increase its revenue. Um, oh, yeah, there was black market, but uh, you're always going to have that. But, but uh, there were some good effects of the... Uh, of the uh, um, prohibition era, era, and there's a, there's another little thing here I wanted to read to you. A tramp's lecture is called. Said a tramp asked for a drink in a saloon. The request was granted. In the act of drinking the proffered beverage, one of the men present said, "Make us a speech. It is poor liquor that does not loosen the man's tongue." The tramp hastily swallowed down the drink. As the liquor coursed through his blood, he straightened and stood before them with a grace and dignity that all of his rags and dirt could, could not obscure. Gentlemen, he said, I look tonight at myself, and it seems to me that I look upon a picture of my blighted manhood. The bloated face was once as handsome as yours. This shambling figure once walked as proudly as yours, for I was a man in the world of men. I, too, once had a home, friends, position, had a wife as beautiful as an artist's dream, but I dropped the priceless pearl of honor and respect into a cup of wine. I had a home where love lit the flame upon the altar and ministered before it, but I put out the holy fire, and darkness and desolation reigned in its stead. I had children as sweet and pure as the flowers of spring and saw them fade and die under the blighting curse of a drunken dad. I had aspirations and ambitions that soared as high as the morning star, but I broke and bruised their beautiful forms, and strangled them that I might hear them no more. Today I'm a husband without a wife, a father without a child, a tramp without a home, a man in whom every impulse is dead, all is swallowed up in the maelstrom of strong drink. Yes, wine is a mocker. And uh, we need to stay away from it. Secondly, drugs... Uh, so we think about drugs, our, our um, uh, standard sheet says, uh, <coughs> excuse me, uh, drugs, recreational, and mood, mood altering. Um, anyway, drugs, one that I want to look at particularly tonight is becoming legalized in much of, and in, in, I shouldn't say much, it's not the majority yet, but in quite a few states in our nation. And, of course, that is marijuana. And most are saying that, again, that mar- the, the, the marijuana is harmless or that it's good for certain things as a painkiller and so on and so forth. Uh, but, again, it, it's one that takes control. And as Paul said here, we're not to be brought under the power of any. But what is the truth about marijuana? Well, one article I read, it gave nine... Side effects. Uh, This was in health science. Number one, a dry mouth. Two, dizziness. Three, increased appetite. Four, memory impairment. Five, lack of motivation. Six, depression. Seven, paranoia. Eight, addiction. And nine, lung problems. And in the Imprimis, it's a paper of the Hillsdale College, there was an excellent article back in January by a guy named Alex Berenson, whose wife was a leading uh, psychiatrist at a New York hospital. 
Uh, it's called Mid-Hudson Forensic Psychiatric, Psychiatric Institute. It's one of the three places in the state of New York sends the criminally mentally ill. Defendants judge not guilty by reason of insanity. <coughs> Excuse me, in part of this article, he says this, quote, Until recently, my wife Jackie was a senior psychiatrist there. Many of Mid-Hudson's 300 patients are killers and arsonists. At least one is a cannibal. Most have been diagnosed with psychotic disorders like schizophrenia that, that provoke them to violence against family members or strangers. A couple years ago, was, Jackie was telling me about a patient. In passing, she said something like this, quote, Of course, he'd been smoking pot his whole life. Of course, I said. Yeah, they all smoke it. I said, I was surprised, to say at least. I tended to be libertarian on drugs. Years before, I'd covered pharmaceutical industry of the New York Times, and I was aware of the claims about marijuana as medicine, and I watched the slow spread of legalized cannabis without much interest. And Jackie would have been within her rights to say, I know what I'm talking about, unlike you. But anyway, he, so he, did, he started doing some research, and over the last 30 years, he did a lot of research concerning marijuana. And I'm just going to read you some excerpts, some excerpts from this article. Uh, he says in, in this uh, in second page, page two here, he says this, quote, almost everything you think you know about the health effects of cannabis, almost everything advocates and the media have told you for a generation is wrong. They've told you marijuana has many different medical uses. In reality, marijuana and THC, that's the chemical in it, is active ingredients uh, have been shown to work only in a few narrow conditions. They are most commonly prescribed for pain relief, but they rarely tested each tested other, against other painful pain relief drugs like ibuprofen. And in July, a large force, a large four-year study of patients with chronic pain in Australia showed cannabis use was associated with greater pain over time. They've told you cannabis can stem opiate use. Two new studies show how marijuana can help fight opiate epidemic, according to Wonk Blog, a Washington Post website. In April 2018, and that marijuana's effects as a painkiller make it a potential substitute for opiates. In reality, like alcohol, marijuana is too weak as a painkiller to work for most people who truly need opiates, such as terminal cancer patients. Even cannabis advocates like Rob Campia, the co-founder of Marijuana Policy Project, acknowledge that they have always viewed medical marijuana laws primarily as a way to protect recreational users. Um, and of course, he also says that cannabis today, the, the cannabis today is more is stronger, more potent than it has been in the past 20 years. Uh, he gives some, some studies, for example, in, um, I'll read all this for sake of time, but, but the uh, four leading states, four first four states to legalize marijuana for recreational use were or Colorado, Washington in 2014, Alaska, and Oregon in 2015. Combined, those four states had about 450 murders and 30,300 aggravated assaults in 2013. And they legalized marijuana in 2014. Now, last year, which it would have been 2018, they had almost 620 murders and 38,000 aggravated assaults, an increase of 37% for murders and 25% for aggravated assaults, far greater than the national increase, even after accounting for differences in population growth. 
And he says there, there's believed to be a link there, as uh, also uh, uh, um, law enforcement in Texas get, gives a reason for that. And then he, 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 toward the end of his article, he says this, For centuries, people worldwide have understood that cannabis causes mental illness and violence, just as they've known that opiates cause addiction and overdose. Hard data on the relationship between marijuana and mad- madness dates back 150 years to British asylum registers in India. Yet 20 years ago, the United States moved to encourage wide use of cannabis, cannabis and opiates. Um, but again, you know, the, again, like the, just like the, uh, uh, those that are pushing for drinking for health reasons, this marijuana for health reasons is bogus. It's a bunch of baloney. But then look at, I want to look at uh, the last one tonight, smoking. Uh, and again, verse 12 here says, All things are lawful unto me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful unto me, but I will not be brought under the power of any. So smoking. Um, smoking uh, cigarettes, cigars, whatever you want to call it, whatever form it is, tobacco use. It is lawful. It is legal. So is drinking. So is marijuana use in some states. It's all legal. But God commands us not to be brought under the power of any. And all these things, all these things are addictive. They will enslave you. The phrase there, brought under the power, means to be master of the body, to have full and entire authority over the body, you know, and we, we would describe that as an addiction to be enslaved to. Um, have a neighbor that at one time did cocaine. He still smoked cigarettes. He liked to quit. He said it was easier to quit cocaine than it is to quit cigarettes. See, these things are addictive. And they are detrimental to the body. You know, verses 19 and 20 of our text says this, What? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you which you have of God, and ye are not your own. For you are bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. If somebody asked, is it possible to smoke and go to heaven? And the preacher said, yes, you just get there sooner. Uh, uh, Bill McSpadden, had a lengthy article in the paper I got years ago. He, and he lists the poisons and defiling chemicals in cigarettes. Uh, carbon monoxide. You can go suck on my tailpipe if you need some of that. Uh, ammonia. You know, try once you crawl in your shower some night and close the curtain, try and wash it in ammonia, see what happens. Uh, no, don't. I'm just kidding. Um, it also contains formaldehyde, which is a chemical used to embalm dead bodies. Uh, Perforol, which is known to be 50 times more poisonous than alcohol. Nicotine, which is a narcotic drug. And, and 19 different poisons in all. Uh, he said we just listed a few. Uh, and, and and he says in 1624, King James I banned smoking in England. And he called it a precious stink 
loathsome to the eyes, hateful to the nose, harmful to the brain, dangerous to the kings, and resembling the bottomless pit. Quote. <laughs> the fact that smoke and tobacco is to fill your body with several different poisons, therefore, as Joe uh, Califano, I guess his name is, former Secretary of Health and Education and Welfare, puts it, committing slow motion suicide, as drinking and drugs would all be um, in that same category. Uh, and I want to, I want to, um, you know, some people, and then some people say, well, it's none of your business what I do. The problem is, you and I all share costs that are inflicted on our society from these things. Let me read you some things here. Well, this is first some smoking facts. 393,000 Americans die of smoking-related diseases every year. This is, this, is, this is up to date. I just got this tonight off, this afternoon off the Internet. In certain states, you can spend as much as 5000 a year on cigarettes alone. I mean, they're kind of expensive. <laughs> over your life, smoking costs you over $2 million. Smoking is responsible for over $96 billion in health care expenditures in the United States. Uh, This article came from the uh, CDC. It says, excessive drinking is draining the U.S. economy. The cost of excessive alcohol in the U.S. rose to almost a quarter trillion dollars in 2010. Implementing effective community-based interventions can reduce excessive drinking and its costs. Excessive alcohol use is known to kill about 88,000 people in the United States each year. But the CDD, CDD, CDC suggests it also is a drain on American economy mostly due to the losses in workplace productivity overview of study findings. Here's the total cost. The cost of excessive alcohol in the United States reached $249 billion in 2010. Most, 77% of these costs were due to binge drinking. Binge drinking is defined as drinking four or more alcoholic beverages per occasion for, for women or five or more drinks per occasion for men. Further, two of every five dollars were paid by federal, listen to this now, federal, state, and local governments. Demonstrating that we are all paying for excessive alcohol use. So two out of those five dollars, two-fifths of a quarter trillion dollars comes out of tax money. Now, by the way, it had listed by state how much each state, it, how much it costs each state. So in 2010, North Carolina, it cost North Carolina alone $7,034,200,000. Now, now he's got, now they're, this is another different article. Um, no, actually, it's the same one. Okay. The estimated cost of drug abuse in the United States, which include illegal drugs, alcohol, and tobacco. So you combine them all together, and the cost is $820 billion a year in growing. Substance abuse in the U.S. costs society an increased health care costs, crime, and loss of productivity. Other costs to society, uh, the spread of HIV, AIDS, hepatitis C, deaths from overdose, effects on unborn children, crime, unemployment, domestic abuse, divorce, homelessness, so on. 
the impact on the workplace productivity. Drug abuse costs the nations more than $120 billion per year in lost productivity, according to the National Drug Intelligence Center. Including that lost productivity are reduced labor participation, incarceration, premature mortality, hospitalization, and participation in treatment programs away from work. Then uh, the impact on crime and criminal justice systems. The NDIC estimates that the annual cost of drug-related crime in the United States is more than $61 billion, with criminal justice system costs making up $56 billion of that cost. The impact on health and health care systems. Annual drug-related, which would be alcohol, cigarettes, and drugs. Uh, health care costs in the U.S. is more than $11 billion. That figure includes both direct and indirect costs related to medical intervention, including emergency services, inpatient drug treatment, prevention, and treatment research. The NDIC estimates the annual cost of emergency department visits regulated to drug abuse are $161 million, with an additional $5.5 million in costs to those who have to be hospitalized. The drug driving, toxic meth labs, one of the direct health care costs, drug abuse produces costs associated with driving under the influence of drugs, parent parental neglect, exposure to toxic, toxic uh, methamphetamine, I don't know how to say it, I don't know how to use this stuff. Anyway, labs, the most recent national survey on drug use and health showed 20.7 million people who were 16 or over drove after drinking alcohol in 2016. Another 11.8 million drove after taking illicit drugs. Can you imagine, there's, what does it say, 800, what does it say, 800, 800, total cost $820 billion a year it costs our country with people abusing themselves with lifestyle, mood-altering, you know, alcohol, drugs, and cigarettes. I mean, if we took all that money in 10 years, we'd probably balance the budget almost. Think about it. You know, this is a curse. It is a curse on a society. And God knew that. God knew it from the beginning. I remember we were in Ohio. That's where Brother Forney goes to church. All points Baptist missions there. Anyway. We were, my wife and I were at a missions a training session they had one time, and the pastor was talking about. He he talked a little bit. He had a class, and he was talking about, um, uh, of course, you know, trying mission, but getting into drinking and drugs and all that. And you know, and he said he's talking to a guy using marijuana. And he said, and the guy said, "Well, God made this stuff." He said he made poison ivy too. Why don't you roll that and smoke it? See, God doesn't want us to be under the power of any. Verse 19 and 20 of our text says that we've been bought with a price and we are glorified God in our body and our spirit, which are God's. And if our body is under the influence of some outside force other than the spirit of God, we're enslaved to that. 
Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 9 also. 1 Corinthians chapter 9. <clears throat> 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 24. It says, Know ye not that they which run in a race run all, but one receiveth the prize. So run that ye may obtain, and every man that striveth the mastery is temperate in all things. Now they do it to obtain a corruptible crown, but we an incorruptible. I therefore so run, not as uncertainly, so fight I, not as one that beateth the air, but I keep under my body and bring it into subjection, lest that by any means, when I have preached others, I myself should be a castaway. You know, Paul said he was, he was striving for the mastery in his service for the Lord. And he was not going to allow anything by the grace of God. He didn't want to come under the control of anything. That would enslave him and hinder him in his walk with the Lord and his ministry for the Lord. Or you might say, shorten his life. You know, these addictions, these, these, this, these substance abuses will shorten your life. God wants us to live prosperous, healthy lives. You know, John wrote, I think it's in 3 John, that thou mayest prosper and be in health. So, you know, the body is for the Lord. It is His. He purchased it. And we are to keep it for Him. And not for these things of the world. We're to be uh, led or controlled by the Spirit of God. We'll allow the Word of God to fill our minds and hearts that we might live to please Him. Be renewed in the Spirit of our mind, Ephesians 4 tells us. And, And so... So we have to refrain from drinking, smoking, and drugs that will enslave us and bring us into bondage and and, into problems in our life. So so might God help us, you know, to be wise concerning these things? You know, again, it's not wrong to take a drug for a sickness. What did, what did uh, um, uh, Solomon say? Give strong drink that is ready to him that is ready to perish. But many Americans and some Christians, particularly with the alcohol, use these things recreationally, which God condemns. We're not to be brought because these things are addictive, and so we need to be aware of them and not allow ourselves to be brought under their dominion or their control. Uh, so might the Lord help us uh, to be aware of these things and have understanding in them. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we do thank you again for your word tonight. Thank you for the instruction it gives us. Thank you that you know the end from the beginning. Father, I pray you should help us just to heed your instruction and your warning and not be brought under the power of any. We understand these things are... Uh, many of them are already legal and others are endeavoring to, they're endeavored to legalize and yet we know, Father, from what your word says that we ought not to be brought under their power. And Father, experience has shown us in society that these things are detrimental 
to a society and to our health. And so, Father, I pray that you just give us grace and strength and wisdom and help us to be witnesses and salt and light in this wicked world that does not. We do pray in Jesus' name. Amen.